TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Damien Kristoff. I'm Brett Hill. And I'm Lawrence Tam. And Lawrence is on 3D tonight, so this is a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. Tonight we're joined by a very special guest. I met her when I was in Adelaide, and I'd met her on Facebook, you know, Facebook, you know, stalking, all that. She was stalking me, actually, and, you know, asked me to be her friend. And, uh, and I thought, oh, yeah, she looks pretty cool. She's got a good story. And then I met her. Brett already knew her, and I was like, oh, I'm so second rate here. And, uh, and when I went and did the Power of Food talk in Adelaide, I got introduced to this beautiful naturopath, Casey Wilson, and tonight we're joined by Kay Casey, and she's going to talk to us about all things naturopathy, but particularly about digestion. Welcome to the call, Casey. Thank you for having me. It's great. Casey, you're in Adelaide. Um, yes. The rest of Australia seems to have digestive problems. Does Adelaide yeah. have digestive problems? Well, <laughs> it's certainly something that I could say every single one of my patients would walk in my door and say they've got some kind of digestive upset. So, yes, it's definitely in Adelaide. So how did you get into th- this whole field? How did you get into naturopathy? How did you get into digestion? Yeah, okay. Well, really my story um, goes back to my teens. So I had a a wonderful upbringing on Kangaroo Island, so I'm a country girl at heart, and I hit my teens and got introduced into that typical party girl scene. So really at the age of 14, I became, you know, binge drinking most weekends, pulling off all-nighters, followed by sleeping through the day. So my whole circadian rhythm was just all out of whack. I had a heap of suppressed emotions and just my diet was, although we had great protein being on a farm, um, just a lot of refined foods and my favourite, ultimate favourite was cheese on toast when I get home from school. And to top it all off, I was on the oral contraceptive pill from the age of 14. So you can just see the the types of things that I was abusing my body with and really I was only at a young age and my body just said, I'm not going to sit and take this and I started to get some symptoms. So things like acne, so skin issues, real bad mood swings, um, which I was suppressing through the day, but I'd take it out of my family at night. Um, I had a lot of digestive upsets, which I didn't really realise at the time was um, not normal, but um, now that I can look back and say that I had a lot of um, yeah constipation, bloating, heartburn, things like that. Um, I was not an optimal weight, so you can see my picture on the blog of what I looked like back then. Uh, and I was getting chronic thrush infections. So if anyone that's had thrush, they know how uncomfortable it is, and I was experiencing it around every week. So really my body was saying, come on, we need to make some changes here. And on top of that, I was getting a lot of um, obviously putting my body under stress and my poor little adrenal glands, and so I developed adrenal fatigue, and it's still really something that I've got to keep on top of today because of abusing my body um, back in my teens. So really, um, long story short, I basically had enough of feeling that way by the end of year 12, and something made me decide to study nutrition, which led me to naturopath studies as well. And as I started to study, I really put the pieces together of my health puzzle and started to realise what I needed to do to change and get my health back on track. And I experienced over that time things like weight loss, clear skin, better moods, and um, have been 100% thrush-free now for over six years. So really after studying, that's when I went into the clinic and, and then on to the blog that I've got today as well. 
Yeah, and you're being pretty modest there, Casey, because you're absolutely killing it down here in Adelaide. I hear about you all over the place in Adelaide, and uh, whenever I refer people to you, I have to give them the warning. Like, if you're going to go see Casey, you probably have to wait about three months to get in. So, you know, yeah. um, your blog is obviously killing it. You're, you're huge all over social media. So what is it that you think about your particular approach that's enabled you to become so successful so quickly at such a young age? Really, I just, at the end of the day, I keep my aim in mind and I just want to really share share this information. Like going back to like when I was on the pill at 14, I was never told by my doctor any kind of short or long-term side effects and just all of those things I was experiencing. It, I just thought it was normal and um, just to be able to share that information with others and say, you know, it's not normal and you can change your diet, you can change your lifestyle and experience true health and happiness. And so that's what really drives me and I just really get in there and do it and love to be able to share the info yeah Casey obviously you you know you deal with a lot of clients and obviously you have a, a weight massive waiting list for people to come and see you what is the what is the biggest health misconception uh that people come in with uh as clients what do you think it would be oh they go to the doctor and um, the doctor says it's got nothing to do with diet <laughs> that would be the biggest one and the most frustrating and it takes a little bit of time to really um, sort of not convince them but just make them realize that yes the diet does play a massive role in in how they're, they're thinking and feeling and um, yeah the overall health so yeah that's a frustrating one and uh, so let me, let me. <laughs> I was on mute, and the new layout of Skype had me so confused. I was like, "What am I supposed to push? Where am I pushing?" I kept on jumping away. It's getting that's all it. Of this it's that's, getting all that's, of that's, it. that's it. The host is actually ousted, and I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> He's been hanging for it. He's been hanging for it. Were you going to keep going there, Lawrence? Because I know you like to ask two nope. questions in a row. Often. No, no, I don't actually. I was just trying to bail you out. But okay. since you're online now, go ahead. Thanks, thanks for helping, Lawrence. I really appreciate it, Casey. When you see girls come into your practice, um, I, I look, I presume that there's a lot of girls coming to your practice. There's probably guys that come to your practice. But th- there must be some common threads because everybody's suffering from something to do with the gut. They've got the bloating at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're hungry. They're craving stuff. Um, their bowels aren't moving properly. They're suffering with thrush. You know, they've got yeah. all this stuff going on. What, what's the common thread? What, what are they doing wrong? What's, what's happening? Oh well, there's a lot of a lot of causes that uh, keep cropping up, basically, and and so what I like to get back to and talk about when I explain to them is looking at the the gut wall, so the small intestinal wall, and describing this um, condition known as leaky gut. And so basically, what a good functioning gut wall should should be like is is like a fly screen so there's tiny little holes so to allow the breeze to go through and filter out all the bugs and the little creepy crawlies and so that's really what our our small intestinal wall should look like it should have tiny little um, holes that allow the nutrients to go through and to filter out all the toxins and the parasites and the, the, the bad stuff, the, the foods that hasn't, haven't been broken down properly. And so if you start to develop a little bit of leaky gut, which is holes in that small intestinal wall, then that's when issues start to happen. And so really big causes, it comes back to the gut, uh, sorry, the diet. So things like gluten, pasteurised dairy, trans fats, alcohol, um, they have big roles to play in that, that leakiness. Um, drugs, so as I mentioned, the oral contraceptive pill and um, antibiotics have a direct 
um, they upset that good bacteria in the gut. And when you upset the good bacteria, that uh, causes things like um, candida overgrowth to occur. And the, the candida and things like parasites and the bad bacteria all um, contribute to that leaky gut as well. And also things like under acid, stomach acid. And so people that are eating in a really stressful environment, eating too quickly, maybe they're eating on the run or where they're driving, um, they, the bodies are in this fight and flight and so they're not able to actually sit there and concentrate on digesting their food and secreting enough stomach acid. And when that happens, that food just doesn't get broken down properly in the stomach. It gets passed onto the small intestine and it goes through that small intestinal wall undigested. And so that's sort of pushing through and causing a bit more of that leakiness. So there's a few things like that and um, small intestine, uh, sorry, not enough of the digestive enzymes being produced by the small intestine and the pancreas. And that could be because the pancreas is stressed from having too much sugar in the diet. And so the pancreas is really trying to balance out those blood sugar levels. Uh, so, yeah, that, there are a few common um, causes and, uh, you know, really coming back to all of those digestive upsets like the bloating and the heartburn and alternating constipation and diarrhoea. So, yeah, we've got to look back at those those underlying causes. Yeah, so obviously now, Casey, we've got, you know, a couple of cricket balls through our fly screen, right? <laughs> like I remember yeah. this happening at my place back home when I was a kid, <laughs> the cricket ball through the fly, <laughs> and we're just letting stuff through that's not supposed to be getting through, right? So I guess you touched on a few things there. That, that that might be contributing to, but I guess there's a whole raft of things that that might contribute to as well, you know, not just in terms of digestion, but right throughout the body. If you start letting stuff in that's not supposed to get in, do you want to sort of expand on how that might affect other parts of the body as well? Yeah, well, that's when the, the body goes into this sort of attack mode. And so when you're eating like healthy foods, if you've got that leaky gut, as I said, they're not being broken down properly and then absorbed through the small intestinal wall but instead they're being absorbed undigested and so the body starts to attack healthy foods so that's where I um, look at food intolerance testing because it might not just be gluten and pasteurized dairy and trans fats and all those common foods that we generally um, as naturopaths say to stay away from it might be something like almonds and broccoli and um, eggs these are some common foods that I also see coming up on food intolerance tests that are generally healthy foods, but because the, the leaky gut's there, the body isn't able to recognise them as, as good foods because they're not just not broken down properly. Um, and as I said too, the, the candida and the parasites and things like that, that's looking at sort of the infection side of things that is um, you know, that's promoted when there's a leaky gut. So, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's just a big, like, minefield for a lot of people, and people listening are going to be scared, um, mm. you know. But so we're going to talk about some solutions and, and a couple of things that we're going to talk about. But before we go to get there, I was just want to know, you know, obviously this is a cumulative effect, uh, you mm. know, with the leaky gut. So, you know, two questions here, part A and B. One is how long does it actually take to get to the situation um, on average, and how long would it actually take for someone to change and, and to, for it to kind of, you know, reverse back if it's mm. possible? Yeah, well, this can be right back from birth. So we've got to look back at um, natural births. When the, the baby goes through the birth canal, they should receive all the good bacteria from the mother. And so babies not being born naturally by instead by a C-section, then they're missing out right from the word go of that good bacteria. And so that's setting them up right from the start to develop that leaky gut. So it can be right back from then. And then just over time, it, it is it is something gradual that, that accumulates. So, you know, poor, poor diet over time, too much alcohol, those drugs, the antibiotics. But it can be just one... Um, 
one course of antibiotics can be enough, though, to, to start that leaky gut off. So it, it can be years, it can be months. And um, when they've developed, or so when I see them, when they come in and they've developed those digestive upsets, it at least takes a good three months up to years to to repair the damage that's been done. So particularly with celiacs, that can take years um, to repair that small intestinal damage. What are some of the telltale signs um, for, for people to recognise that they might have a possibility or they should investigate further whether they have leaky gut or not? Mm, okay, well, getting just the typical signs like bloating after meals, heartburn, um, the alternating constipation, diarrhoea, abdominal pains, um, these these symptoms aren't normal and what happens is people start to they get they're getting them every day so they just put them down as something that happens to them but once you get to the bottom of that and you start to heal the gut you actually realize wow i haven't had that symptom in a while and then you perhaps have some some of the foods that you should have taken out and then they realize again that okay that's that's a trigger for me um so yeah it's there's, there's quite a few things they need to do, but um, it's you know it's doable to really repair that that gut lining. Hey Casey, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about the intolerance testing you spoke about because there seems to be a lot of sort of confusion around that out there. I mean, it, it seems to be that sometimes people are going and getting testing and being told they're not intolerant to stuff when quite clearly their symptomatology and, and the way they deal with certain foods is that they just tend to do better without it. I've certainly seen yeah. uh, experiences of that within my family and. There have been suggestions, you know, I remember speaking to uh, Nora Gagaudis, who I know you're aware of, who spoke about some of the gluten intolerance testing and said that, you know, there was only one particular lab in America that she was willing to send her stuff to because they were the only ones that did certain testing. So I guess, first of all, you know, what's your take on that? What sort of testing do you recommend people get? And how much credence should people be putting into the, the tolerance testing and then how much do they need to look at the other signs and symptoms as well? talking about is the Cyrex lab which unfortunately we don't have quite here yet in Australia but if once soon as we do I'll definitely be using it um, so I go by doing um, blood IgG and IgA antibodies so it's a little bit different to what you'd go to a normal um, you go to a doctor for and they do the allergy testing that's IgE and that's anaphylactic type reaction so it's different to that so often patients will go get the scratch testing and say I'm not I'm not allergic to anything, and then we'll do IgA or IgG, and they're much more um, they're much more common and generalised. So, someone with a um, IgG or IgA reaction towards dairy that's coming up really high may experience sinus infections, and a completely different person may get gut issues. So, the symptoms vary, um, but I'm getting really good results in doing the testing. But if you know someone doesn't want to invest in the money to have the testing done then I'll always look at taking those big culprits out like the dairy and the gluten and um, trans fat, sugar, soy, eggs sometimes um, and rotating foods and, and doing what we can if they're still getting the symptoms then going in and doing the food intolerance test and it is important to tell them in the lead up to getting the test done that they actually try to have a lot of fer- like variety in the diet because if they're just having the one type of food couple of foods um, really consistently then that food will likely come up high or the other ones won't come up and so there are there are some false negatives sometimes but anything that does come up then that's definitely something we have to work with 
And so, Casey, for people listening to this, I mean, obviously the ideal is that people are going to get in and see a health practitioner and, and go through this process and do this testing. But there will be others listening to that thinking, well, maybe I should just try doing some, of the, you know, eliminating some of those foods and seeing how I go. So if people were going to want to cut out some of those foods and test it out, you know, how long should they cut them out for? Which ones should they cut out? And, you know, how should they think about reintroducing those to try and figure out which one's causing them issues? Sure. Well, really, you have to understand that when you have a food and if you're reacting to it, you can have symptoms usually up to four days, sometimes up to eight days later. And so it gets really quite tricky to do the trial and error. But if they're really determined, um, basically I recommend a good three weeks at least of taking out um, gluten, dairy, um, soy, sugar. And after the three weeks, if they want to then try some of those foods, one food at a time, wait at least four days. And within that four days, if they haven't noticed anything, and that, as I said, is from digestive upsets to sinus um, blockages to lacking in energy, just something really quite obvious from what they were feeling when they cut it out. And if there isn't anything, then bringing that food back in just not all the time but rotating it through the diet um, if you experience symptoms then leaving it out and just going through each of the foods but it has to be one food at a time otherwise you you don't really know what what is causing it um, so yeah you just have to be wary that it can be a delayed reaction um, what was the other half of the question Oh, don't worry about it, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> it was just about reintroduction of foods, Casey. Yeah, yeah. I was so busting to ask a question. I, I feel like I've been left out. I've been left out, Casey. This was one of my this was one of my favouritest things in the whole wide world to manage when I was in practice as a naturopath. I loved it. I loved leaky gut. Um, and then I also loved obesity, like I loved obesity, diabetes, that was my thing, right? And so when, when I hear you talk about leaky gut, I get so excited because I just love that people are into it, like, so I'm just mm. pumped. But what I used to do was I'd test people for leaky gut, so I'd, I'd either use the live blood analysis or I'd go and use the ARL, ARL testing, um, which I think mm. is now HealthScope, and, um, yeah. and we'd yeah. test, it was like about 100 bucks, like it wasn't much, it's about the same now, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, and you can do it through Nutripath as well. That's another lab. That's it, right? So, yeah. like, it's cheap to get done. And then what I also found was that it took once you had confirmation, it took a minimum of at least three months of really hard work to at least get some improvement in the gut. And um, and and in, and then sometimes it could take up to six months. Is this still the case, or has there been? technological advances in our nutrition that can make it happen quicker where are we at with that yeah well personally and with my patients i know it at least takes three months and yeah you're really not being not being very realistic to to think that it's going to happen sooner than that um it's just you have to remember that it's taken years to get to the point where you are so it's going to take some time to really repair that gut and so yeah at least at least three months Casey, your um, blog is uh, My Health, My Happiness, and I'd love to ask this, this question. Um, you know, do you think that emotions have an effect on the gut or, or and or, I guess, that the, um, the gut actually has an effect on your emotions? Yeah, definitely vice versa. So um, things, simple things like if you don't have enough good bacteria, then you won't be able to produce serotonin, which is a main neurotransmitter to make you feel happy. Um, and then the stress component, when you're in that fight and flight, as I said before, then you're not able to produce your stomach acid and your enzymes and your body just can't digest 
sit there and concentrate on digestion. It's worrying about the stress that you, you're experiencing. So certainly stress affects digestion and digestion health or digestive health affects the way that you're thinking and feeling as well. So, yeah, definitely. So, Casey, um, for those out there who are sort of thinking, well, look, my gut's all right, like it's not going too bad, but I wouldn't mind doing some stuff, you know, some extra stuff to help look after it. You know, what are some, you know, perhaps some foods or some tonics or, you know, just some general stuff we can include into our diet and into our, you know, daily routine that would be good and beneficial for our gut? Sure. Well, just before I go with that, I'll um, just mention the other tests that I do like to do is the stool analysis one. And um, that's. Oh, Damo, oh, Damo's Damo's favourite. Oh, there you go. Wake up. <laughs> I was, on, I was okay. on mute, but I did squeal. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And the reason why I like to do that is because there's usually, when there's food intolerances happening, there's usually an underlying um, infection or something else that's creating that leaky gut that's causing the food intolerances. So taking out the foods that you're intolerant to isn't the whole the whole treatment. You've got to look at underlying um, other underlying issues. So if something is coming up with, say, parasites or yeast or bacteria, you've really got to target that. And some herbs like um, thyme and oregano and... Um, Olive leaf extract, paudiaco tea, uh, things like that can help to, to really target the infection. But we've got to look at healing the gut lining. So there's an amino acid, um, you can pick it up quite cheaply, called glutamine. That actually feeds the little finger-like projections in the small intestine. And so they should be nice and um, sort of bright and able to absorb the nutrients. But when you've got a lot of food intolerances, and particularly with celiacs, they're very flat. And so glutamine will help to feed them and um, they'll become a lot more healthy. Uh, Slippery elm, that's a powder uh, that you can take to help to heal any inflammation of the gut. And that also helps you to um, go to the toilet. And marshmallow root, licorice root, aloe vera, you can get that in juice form. Um, and also turmeric. Turmeric's fantastic for anti-inflammatory purposes, so really soothes that gastrointestinal tract inflammation. Okay, so so just, few- just so we can clarify, you spoke before about the poo analysis, and uh, yeah. and I just want to know what that means because I know for Damien, he just likes to get in there, hands on, no gloves, yeah, just you know, dig in and, and check it out and see what's going on. But but how do you actually analyse poo? Because I need to know. We're not talking about your Saturday night here, Brent. So let's just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I use a lab called Doctor's Data, so I have little test kits in the clinic. And when I want a patient to do a stool analysis, I'll give them the kit. There's three little buckets that they need to collect their sample and scoop it into little um, vials, basically that are full with preservatives that keep it fresh. <laughs> While it's sent overseas, I use an overseas lab for that one. And so it's not the nicest test, but it really does. It's important to get to that underlying issue of whether there's an infection there or even inflammation levels in the gut. You can look at that and H. pylori and other lots of things through the stool analysis. Brett would yeah. need a bucket for that. I'm just going to say that right <laughs> out. Right now. But, <laughs> hey, Casey, um, as chiropractors, uh, we recognise that there's three main stressors that, um, that trigger this thing called subluxation. Now, it seems to me that there's a really strong similarity um, between chiropractic and subluxation and naturopathy and digestion. And I was listening to James Chestnut once, who's a chiropractic speaker and a scientist and a researcher, and he drew the link between the spine and the nervous system as well as the gastrointestinal system. system. And yeah. I was blown away. I loved it. And what's interesting is that emotional stress, which you and Lawrence were chatting about before, 
Um, physical stretch, stress, which is what we're talking about from a, you know in the perspective of say uh, foods that might actually be you know highly um, negative on the gastrointestinal tract. Um, but also then chemical stress, which is uh, you know drugs and uh, yeah. possibly also other hormones within the body. It could also be the chemical things um, that they they will all cause leaky gut. Now, it sounds really simple for the punter that all they've got to do is just take out their offending foods and then take glutamine and maybe some slippery elm and then they're all going to be fixed magically. Um, from a perspective you know, point of view, like trying to work out how much work do these people really need to do, can, we, like, can you tell them exactly what they've got to do? Like, they've got to do, I think, a fair bit of work. What do you reckon? How much do they need to do? I know last time I asked a long question, you answered it with three words. So don't leave me hanging here. Uh, yeah, well, we have to look at things holistically. So I definitely recommend chiropractic care for my patients because things like that vagus nerve you need that to be working really well to be able to produce your stomach acid and I'm aware that's something that you can help with um so yeah things like that stress therapy so I'm not a psychologist or a counsellor or anyone that deals with that side of emotional uh, well-being but I certainly recommend that they help they look at that that side of their life and look at de-stressing and doing things that they love and enjoy and um that has a because that has a major role in their digestive health, and yes, you've got to look at the diet, but it's not the only thing. Um, movement as well. You need to look at how how your exercise is affecting your adrenal glands and um, your digestion and everything in the body because exercise can be stressful and there's a big connection with adrenal stress and not enough stomach acid production as well. So it's it's a huge huge job to be able to deal with this and um, overcome it but it's so important because if you're not absorbing your nutrients then you know you, you're not going to be healthy now Casey um, you recently got married this year and yeah. uh, with Tom and you know I'm sure it was a beautiful wedding but I have to ask you a serious <laughs> question um, yeah. when did you do at what point in the dating process did you actually take a stool sample no, I'm just joking. You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you knew that, Lauren. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm playing your role now, Damien. So. Two questions. Yeah. Casey, the real question I would to have to ask me, like, obviously, you were a party girl. You said, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, you were talking about, you know, you Mm-hmm. We were drinking and you know doing the, what the you know what a teenager or or twenty year old would do. What would you tell um you know, what would you tell a girl now if you had a, a you know if you if you were able to had a client maybe come into your office like what is the some of the like three maybe top things that you would get them to avoid or to do um during you know during that age period? Mm, well, definitely with the teens to it's sleep is so important because they, they need so much more than than us adults so getting enough sleep and at the right times like I absolutely buggered my adrenals by staying up all night and then sleeping through the day and um, I think that is the, the top thing that they need to look at and um, yeah just looking at quality with their foods and it's really hard to get through to teenagers um, as you guys would probably know having having kids but getting them to look at what not just saying what you can't have but getting them to look at what they can have and making sure they're getting quality through through the diets so and maybe they do still have a few um you know not so great things but making sure that they've got the good stuff there in the diet as well um 
so yeah, diet, diet and sleep and healthy movement as well. Getting out at the right times of the day, getting the sunshine because that can help help with the, uh, so many different areas like the vitamin D switches on over three thousand genes in the body. So getting out in the sun and and moving outside, I think that big ones. Yeah, nice. Casey, thank you so much for your wisdom tonight. It's been fantastic. And I know heaps of people out there, in fact, all of our listeners will resonate with something that you mentioned tonight. Oh, good. Yeah, I just wanted to add in too, um, probiotics as well. Um, I didn't touch on that before, but definitely being on a probiotic and um, digestive enzymes, they're big ones to also help out with, with digestion. So um, looking at getting getting some of those, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Just going back to those digestive enzymes, because I know the boys want me to uh, wrap it up. I'm just going to drag this out just a little <laughs> bit further. Um, with the digestive <laughs> enzymes, day, there's like two areas. Okay. Excuse me, don't talk over the top of me. <laughs> <laughs> There's two areas we're going to look at, right, from the digestive enzyme perspective. A couple of little clues. Um, if it's an upper digestive tract dysfunction, we're talking low acid. So you want to supplement with hydrochloric yes. acid. Is that correct? That is right. So that is something you've got to be careful with if you've got stomach ulcers or you've had them in the past or you're on anti-inflammatory drugs because they that can thin the lining of the stomach. Mm. Um, so if that's the case, you need to look at herbs and that's where a naturopath can come in um, quite handy. Um, but otherwise... Yeah, you can you can pick up HCL and pepsin um, online and, and experiment with around 500 milligrams um, around 15 minutes before your meals. And if that helps with the bloating or helps with the digestive upsets, then it is more a low stomach acid issue. Yeah. There we go. And there's so much more to go through. Like we keep on talking about the gut. But, yeah. um, we've got to stop it there. So, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. And when people want to come and see more about you or find out more about you, they can visit you at myhealthmyhappiness.com.au. Is that correct? That's right, yes. I've got lots of uh, exciting projects coming up in the new year. So, yeah, head on there and um, sign up to the newsletter. Far out. Exciting projects. We love that. That's what we're all into. In fact, one of the exciting projects that we're up to from a wellness guy's perspective is the Wellness Breakthrough, and that's coming up in February. And uh, and we can't wait to have everybody there. It's a, a weekend, two nights, three days getaway in uh, in Victoria where we're taking a small group of people away to work with them one-on-one with the Up For A Chat girls and Marcus Pierce. So we can't wait to do that and, uh, and, and have everybody along there. So if you're interested in that, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com and, and check that out. Um, if you can't find it there, then go to thewellnesscouch.com and follow the links through so you've got to see. So thanks again, uh, Casey. It's been great to have you. Make Thank sure, you. everybody, that you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com, The Wellness Guys, and tell us what you thought of this episode. Share this podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update, particularly those that live in the uh, northern beaches of Sydney because they definitely need an update and upgrade. <laughs> Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us a comment. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favourite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cooking's Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys, are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. 
possible on Skeptical Center endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts. 